Tannenbaum, oh Tannenbaum, wie treu sind deine Blätter. Du grunst nicht nur die Sommerzeit, nein auch im Winter, wenn es schneit. Oh Tannenbaum, oh Tannenbaum, wie treu sind deine Blätter. Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%NorthPole.com, and as always, I'm joined by my elf on the shelf, Dilly Algama, to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in a Christmas wonderland. An elf on the shelf with decision-making power. Hello, Nick. Ho, 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 Dilly. <laughs> ho, 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 Nick. There you go. Oh, you owe me for that. Oh, oh yes, yes, I probably do. Okay, Dilly, as ever, we're going to start off with a question. And I have, I think, the simplest question I could possibly ask you at this point. Dilly, what should I have for Christmas dinner? What should you have for Christmas dinner? Rotkohl, so red cabbage. Okay. Ginzerbraten, roast goose. Okay. And what's the, uh, it's not closer. What is it that you make with bread? It's like semmelknödel. Yeah, knödel. Yeah. And bratensauce, so the gravy. Well, you've at least got one part of my intended Christmas dinner sort of right, which is the road coal. But the rest is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be that. Has it been vetoed? <laughs> no, we uh, we usually have roast beef and Yorkshire puddings. Nice. But we made that for my, my wife's family only two weeks ago. And even I can't be bothered. And actually, I want something that doesn't require me to be watching it every 15 minutes. So we're going to do Schinkenbraten with glazur. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, Rotkohl, uh, Kartoffel und, what's for the Andrin? Oh, oh, yeah, Yorkshire puddings, Auk. Und ich denke, yeah, I don't know which vegetables we're going to have. I don't want to do Brussels sprouts. I suppose we need carrots, maybe. Maybe some carrots. Carrots and parsnips. I discovered the best recipe for carrots and parsnips that I'm going to share with you now. You can only do it in Germany, right? So what yeah. I usually do is put mustard and honey on them. Yeah. And then as I'm walking around the supermarket, I know I just remembered, I don't know where it came from. I say, like, wait, isn't there like a, a sweet mustard that they eat vice versa with? Ooh. I, and I found it and it's actually perfect. It's exactly the right balance between them that's all i did a bit of oil and banged almost a half a bottle of that into into a, a roast tray and it was a it was sublime it was really really good <laughs> i can't imagine carrots really carrots with a sweet glaze yep. yeah yeah that's that's the dream but it's the mustard as well it's like whole grainy mustard so it's properly yeah, solid yeah. anyway i'm getting really hungry but you, you now know what i'm having for christmas dinner. what are you having for christmas dinner dilly so this will be my first christmas in the netherlands with my boyfriend's mother right exciting and she's dutch bulgarian or bulgarian dutch mm -hmm. and the bulgarian have a tradition where you start fasting on the 25th of november Mm -hmm. And you eat only vegan dishes until the 24th. So we see on the 24th and we have about 12 or 14 dishes that are vegan. And that is what we will have on the 24th. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. Wow. So it's the fasting. The fasting is quite a religious decision then, is it? Or is it just like... I think it's uh, the tradition changes. So if you are from the Orthodox Church, there is one way of doing it. And if not, there is another way of doing it. 
that's what it's dependent on. And this is my first time taking part in it. What's well, I mean, it's exciting. Are you are you excited? Is it is it a bit nervous? Maybe the cultural exchange and all of that. That um, jazz. I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm told that the food is going to be vegan on the 24th. Um, it's not going to be strongly spiced, so um, uh, it won't taste strongly of onions or garlic. So um, I'm excited to see what the food is going to be yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I always love trying out new food mm. or, or food in general. So You know it's vegan, but you don't know exactly what it will be. My boyfriend said that it could be, uh, so sometimes it might even be like one dish could be a bowl of olives, marinated olives. And... Um, Bread and butter. I mean, maybe not butter, but mm. like I like the German tradition also of uh, oven brot, where you have lots of different things and you mm. put things on your bread. Yeah, we we call it brotzeit, bread time. Brotzeit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm quite relaxed about Christmas. I'm usually sort of planning. Certainly last year, I felt like all of December was me planning Christmas, mm-hmm. and this year it's been a bit piecemeal. I've got bits here, bits there. Done most of my Christmas shopping. What about you? Have you have you got something for your brother-in-law? Why specifically my brother-in-law? <laughs> Nick, I've been waiting weeks to bring this up yeah, so that on. I can have my running joke. Okay, go You're on. not ruining it for me. <laughs> What's the running joke? <laughs> Nick is bonding with his brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, am I buying anything? No, he's already actually, he's bought me his, my Christmas gift. I got um, several pairs of fun colored socks. See, see, that's love. That is. I haven't actually bought him anything yet. So here's a question. Oh, the the producer's chiming in on the chat. He says, Spetsy. You know what? That isn't, that isn't a fucking bad idea, actually. He bloody loves Spetsy. So, actually, actually, mate. Ah, oh, the producer's really saved my bacon. Uh-huh. You have to know people very well to give them uh, fun socks. Yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm a pretty fun guy, so he knows that I like <laughs> I like them regardless, but um, I think the Spetsy shout's really good. I mean, I think as long as Christoph is not listening to this, and if you are Christoph, stop listening. Um, I think I'm actually just going to produce a creative Spetsy and just give it to him. I'll put like a, a big bow on it and say, Merry Christmas, here's your Spetsy. And say, I bet he'd lo- he would love that. Pizza socks or something. He's so freaking enthusiastic. If I can find him Spetsy socks, then I... F- Hold on, let's pause the show while I do some Googling. <laughs> Um, the, the thing with buying presents I always find is, and this is something that's definitely a cultural thing, maybe it's a family cultural thing, but I do find that Germans prefer practical gifts than they do stupid fun gifts. Uh, I'm not sure if you've experienced this, Dilly. Elaborate, elaborate, Horton. I guess what I would have is from my wife would be a watch, might be something I get, or a like I think the last time the thing I got was like a, a speaker, like a, a Bluetooth speaker, mm-hmm. like, and that's the best kind of practical and fun, right? But it would always yeah. be something practical that could be used. I think last year my parents-in-law gave me like a poker set for the fire, not like a mm-hmm. ga- the game poker. It's like an actual poker and a little brush and a pan mm-hmm. for the fireplace, which again is very practical. Mm-hmm. I think I've had things like tools. Mm-hmm. I, I got a drill one year. Uh, a wrench the year before 
<laughs> so these are the kinds of gifts that you get. But like, do you know what? I always, I, I'm pretty basic. All I want is get as like a video game and I'll be happy. Get as a action figure, I'll be happy. Like that's the basics I'll go for. Comic book, you know, something like that I'll be happy with. Yeah. A book in general. I can say that you were like in the past few years, you have pushed along the path of being a good housemeister. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. that's exactly where I've been directed. And, and you resisted, I take it. Well, actually, my brother was there here at the weekend and he was quite impressed with the fact that I'm the one who decorates the house, I'm the one who decorates the tree, I'm the one who bakes, I'm the one who does all of these things. So I'm quite... Yeah. I've been civilised. <laughs> I think ah. is the best way. But I enjoy decorating. Like, I, I take a great level of pride in decorating the tree. And yeah. I do enjoy that process because i think it's there is a real art to getting christmas decorations right so yeah. but, untangling the lights that's skills mm-hmm. yeah well but i mean just actually the practice of like like i'm very strategic about decoration placement and how it should look and i've got a very particular vision in mind do you go for the traditional colors of green and uh-huh. gold uh-huh. and red uh-huh. um, okay. but like so things like i always put the baubles on the christmas tree first because they mm. draw the eye and then every other decoration has to sort of come off of those lines it's all about lines on the christmas tree mm-hmm. diagonals it's very important yeah because we have lots of decorations by the time it ends up it all sort of pulls it together. It's very yeah. good. No tinsel either. That's not out of a personal choice, but because my wife hates tinsel. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. But yeah, I'm a total freak when it comes fun to, to Christmas decorations. Totally deserving of the fun socks. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling, Dilly, that you're taking the utter piss out of me. Um, but uh, I could be incorrect. <laughs> I couldn't believe I couldn't believe someone like you would take the piss out of someone like me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, so you've told me a little bit about what you're doing over Christmas. Like you're going away, you're going to go to the Netherlands. But like, what are you actually doing over Christmas? Like, do you have any sort of plans to do anything in that weird space between uh, Christmas and, and New Year? Do you have any travel plans, or do you have any, or is it just sitting around doing nothing? Like, what is your, what are you doing over the Christmas break? Actually, so I will be in the Netherlands over Christmas and then back in Germany right afterwards. And I just became a new aunt oh, wow. for the first time. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. And I think it's uh, my privilege to be able to contribute to the baby uh, and uh, the baby's cultural development by sourcing books from all sorts of languages. So I'll be Nanda. So that's the paternal aunt in mm-hmm. saying hello. So I'm the baby's Nanda, and I want to buy the baby books in German, in Dutch, in Bulgarian, together with my boyfriend, so that the baby knows as many languages as possible uh, how much it is loved. Wow, that's a good, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah. And so you're going to go on a hunt for various different... I've been buying baby things for the past two weeks. Solid, solid. <laughs> I, can, I can give you some book recommendations. Please. Peppa Pig pacifiers. Oh, like avoid Peppa Pig. Keep that out of your life as long as possible. That's what I'll say. <laughs> but um, eventually, oh God, honestly. Knowing all the characters in Peppa Pig is one of the most disappointing realizations. Like we were, I think we went to a market and my daughter was picking out figures and handing them to me. And she's going, which one's this? And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> that's Dada Pig. That's Mama Pig. That's 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 uh, Peppa Pig's uh, um, uh, friend. What is it? Like Susie Rabbit or something like that. I can't remember. But um, it just, uh, Rebecca Rabbit. I can't remember if it's all alliteration. But it's, um, 
it does feel like I know all the characters. I know then the voices when I hear their voices as I'm walking yeah. past the television. I'm like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's so and so. But yeah, I mean, it's not great. It's not great knowing that stuff. It only got the pacifiers. I think the big ones. Even though I got like other pacifiers for the baby. <laughs> It's a it's a slippery slope. That's all I can tell you. It's a slippery slope. Um, speaking of slippery slopes, the Deutsche Beer Pokal after three weeks came to an end on Sunday. My my work is done. It feels very much like my shift is is finished for December, uh, and uh, the result was Herrenhauser is the Deutsche Beer Pokal champions. Um, and a massive vote. There's like over 800 votes in that vote, and a lot of a lot of very angry opinions about Kolsch being in the final. Kolsch, through Kolsch, ah. was the other uh, um, the other finalist. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty hardcore three weeks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I put myself through this kind of stuff, but I thought it was quite enjoyable. People seem to like it. 800 people voting. That's yeah. yeah, I think uh, totally. I mean, we've probably had over five thousand votes cast, which is definitely doubled on last year's. Very, on last year's, yeah. so right there on the fun socks level. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I was doing it with my fun socks. No, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I don't know where I go from here, but um, I suppose bigger, make it bigger. Um, I've got some plans for for twenty twenty three, but. I'm kind of glad it's over, to be honest, because it was a, it was a weird moment this, today where I went, oh shit, I forgot to send out the updates for the Deutsche Beer Pokal, and I went on my phone and I went and I was like, oh, it's over, because <laughs> like, I was usually sitting on the Uber and doing writing updates on it, so I'm quite happy that's over. But yeah, it was good while it lasted. And um, speaking of Ubans, I'm not sure how it is where you are, but since last week. Uh, the public transport in Bavaria has been maskless. Oh, yeah, that's us. Uh, yeah, so I think currently Bayern and Saxony-Anhalt are the only two states that are maskless on public transport. I believe that's the case. I don't know how you feel about it, but it is very... It seemed like a very obscure decision to make this late in the day in December to get rid of them. Um, in the cold. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, my thought with this was like, it's weird, right? It's weird seeing people on public transport without masks now. I find that strange. It's like the same feeling I had when I walked into the shop for the first time and people weren't yeah. wearing masks. I suppose it leads to that question, like, is the pandemic over? Is this like a memory that we have? How long will people continue to wear masks? Are like kids and, and, and teachers still wearing masks at the school? There are some kids that mask. There are some teachers that mm. mask. I mask. And uh, I take off my mask to teach if the room um, is ventilated well. So if the windows are open, the doors are open, and the uh, air quality checking machine is beeping green, then that's fine. But um, on public transport, I try to sit next to people who are also masking so that we have this masking solidarity for a few minutes, though we are not mm. speaking with each other. <laughs> but, you know, you exchange looks and... And you yeah. feel righteous and noble, as one should, when they mask. But then, like, some idiot will come and sit down next to us and start sneezing and wiping his nose on his sleeve, as, you know, as people tend to do. And then we all, like, you know, we look at you, we look at the person. It's usually a white man. Unsurprisingly. And we're like, you know, okay, that's typhoid Mary, typhoid Mary. 
And that, I mean, there's this anxiety that I feel that I know that I've caught something. And last week, I really was very ill. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't even ask how you are until you after being sick last week. How horrible is that? I, rewind, what? rewind. Apologies, apologies. Forget the elf on the shelf stuff. How, how are you, Dilly? Are you okay? Are you speaking? I'm purposely doing it very quietly. Oh, oh I see. That is the same voice my dad used to have when, like, a parishioner would tell him something distressing, like something sad. He would go, oh, are you, are you okay? <laughs> like, it's the voice that I fall into straight away. It's the sound of a, of a concerned vicar. Yeah, so how, how, how are you, actually? I mean, seriously, how are you, how are you doing since I'm, you were? I'm good, and, I'm, and my voice has changed a little, and I'm going to use it. Mm. I, I think it's sexier this way. So I'm going to I'm going to use it to my advantage and be on all the podcasts for as long as I can. <laughs> Sounding as fruity as possible, yes. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's uh, I mean it's going round, right? So I mean it's understandable. I was just curious though, Dilly, do you uh, do you have your doctor's note handy? Because um, we need a doctor's note for you being absent from the podcast. Yeah. So. I believe you're absent for longer than three sure, days. So legally, sure. legally, you should be giving me a doctor's note, right? Sure. This is the decision-making elf on the shelf, I assume. I'll tell you, listener, she doesn't have a doctor's note. So, I mean, I'm legally obliged to uh, to further uh, the escalation of this uh, particular incident. <laughs> I will be speaking to your supervisor. We'll uh, <laughs> be having strong words. <laughs> Oh dear! Were you sick all week? Was it was it a long term thing? It really thing? was. It it wipes one out, and mm. I think I'm one of the lucky ones because uh, I have friends who had a flu for three weeks. Mm, it's not good. The viruses that are going around really do knock people out, don't they? It's funny you should say that, Dilly, because because uh, we're going to talk about that now. Yeah, Dilly, I'm not surprised people have uh, have been sick, as we've been talking about with the mask rule being rescinded in Bayern and Sachsen-Anhalt. That has sort of connected to something that I've noticed over the last, certainly since last week, but more mm-hmm. this week than anything else, which is that more people are um, sick at the moment through work. Like my wife is sick, my daughter is sick, mm-hmm. my colleagues are sick. Mm-hmm. And I came across a quite interesting article in Süddeutsche Zeitung uh, yesterday that was uh, entitled, and I quite like this because I quite like the German for coughs and sniffles, which was Bayern schnieft and hustet, uh, which is Bayern is sniffling and and coughing. And it's uh, about this unprecedented, as it describes, an unprecedented wave of sickness that's hitting Bavaria. And it's posing a challenge for clinics, um, cancellation of school classes, and mm-hmm. also affecting potentially people's school holidays um as you are in a similar sort of position to to me in bavaria have you noticed an uptick in in just general illness sickness from those around you i think like also like my friends who are teachers for instance have said you have a lot of absence uh, in schools so children and the teachers fall sick and um, I tend to take public transports and I tend to see a lot of people sneezing and digging in their noses. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think I tweeted about it, but I saw on the, f- I think it was the first Monday after they'd rescinded this mask wearing rule on, on public transport. I got on the, the Strassenbahn, I put my mask on, um, I was standing up because it was only standard room only and I looked down the carriage and I saw a guy facing another person and then he like coughed in his face 
without Ooh. covering his mouth. And then the guy then responded by coughing back in the other guy's face. And it was like almost like instinct. It wasn't like, it wasn't malicious or anything. And it was just two sick people standing face to face coughing at each other. And I was just like, that can't be good for anyone's health, right? That's like a lot of airborne bacteria just been shot into the atmosphere. Uh, I was very glad to be wearing my mask. And it's winter. We don't have ventilation in the train carriages. And they become quite a germaphobe, I think. But maybe it's not a phobia, but maybe it's quite rational. I think it's rational, but like I, I certainly have been, a, I've become a bit more Howard Hughes. You know, I'm definitely washing my hands more, and like mm-hmm. because it's more available as well. Like hand sanitizers available mm. more freely than ever before. So anytime I see a hand sanitizer thing, I blast it. I've got yeah. a little bottle in my bag that I carry around. Yeah. Most of the classrooms have a bottle, so I'm, I'm yeah. constantly purelled up to the nines. But yeah. uh, to give you a sense of how bad it's been uh, in my neck of the woods. This is uh, from the the article I just mentioned, and it's talking about Augsburg, and it says that some of the daycare centres in the city uh, have had to close because the staff and the children were too sick. And it's this is from Martina Wild, who's the the mayor and speaker for education, and she's from the the Green Party, and she's spoken of an unprecedented challenge, and that even at the height of the corona pandemic, and this is a direct quote, the illness rate in Augsburg's municipal daycare centres were not as high as it is now. It's about 30% of the employees in in facilities are currently ill. Between 15 and 20 people reported sick almost every day because they could not come to work, which is an extremely high rate. And four of more than 50 facilities are currently completely closed. So, like, it's pretty bad. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it just, it's across the state. And I couldn't help thinking, when I saw that article, I was like, well, isn't that what's going to happen when you tell everyone, to, like, yeah, it's freedom, take your masks off, cough in each other's faces on the Strassen barn. And I was like, is that not why you just keep the mask rule going just for simple expediency? I don't know what the change is supposed to bring and why they have the new Mm -hmm. rule because one Mm -hmm. day it was please wear an ffp2 mask Mm -hmm. and then the next day it's oh don't wear a mask at all yeah how do you go from that to that and i think that people wearing masks it's also been a very cold winter so far Mm -hmm. and during these very trying times wearing masks for covid probably kept us away from the worst of the flus and other viruses Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. now suddenly you have everything in like a big mission or mix. I mean, I know why it's happening in Bavaria because there's an election next year and this is a, a very blatant attempt at like currying favour with the queer Duncan without actually having to do any kind of promotion of them doing it. Like it's just obviously appealing to those people who think that wearing a mask is something akin to slavery or something. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. Uh, but what happened is, it's like anything, as soon as you remove the law, everyone just stops wearing the masks, you know? Like, no one's wearing them now. There's maybe five people on each tr- on each tram that I get that were wearing masks. Like, as, a, as an individual, you have to be pretty fucking stupid to, in the middle of December, when already people are getting sick, to go, oh, yeah, I'll get rid of the mask. Now I'm free. And I'm just like, well, I'd rather wear the mask and not get sick, thanks. Yeah. Like I probably won't wear it in summer, but in the middle of like a of a sickness issue. And the very fact actually, as this article goes on to point out, um this is in Nuremberg, there were bus and train failures because the, the drivers are sick. 
And I was like, if the drivers of trams and trains are sick, does that not give you a hint about maybe getting people to wear masks was a fucking good idea in the first place, you know? It speaks for itself, one would think, but you know. But there's always people, I got people commenting going like, oh, like, you know, what do the masks even do? And I, I didn't rise to it because, I mean, my base instinct is to go after these people who say dumb things, but you can't always go after every idiot. But uh, like, I just went online and I typed in, Japanese mask wearing public transport and there was an mm. image from 1913 or something it was a poster promoting mask wearing during winter because of people's coughs and colds and I felt like just here take this this is what they knew in 1913 it's uh, 2022 now it's common sense I mean I, I, and also like uh, I don't know I mean I like singing and like humming little tunes and like masks help me because then nobody knows who's doing it. I like, I like wearing masks and singing in the supermarket. That's not quite the argument I was making. There's music. I can sing along. <laughs> and I can just roll my eyes if, you know, at like some random person and pretend it's them. So um, Yeah, I mean, that's not my biggest concern. But <laughs> And like people don't brush teeth in the morning. I don't know why that is. I like wearing a mask. I can like, you know. Yeah stay in my fresh I mean, toothpaste I, heaven i don't know who's not brushing their teeth in the morning that's the if you're going to brush your teeth at any time that's the time to do <laughs> that's it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something actually i changed my toothpaste because when we started wearing masks i had this quite super minty toothpaste mm-hmm. and i brush my teeth put my mask on and go blind for about the first 20 minutes of walking because it was just menthol in my eyes i was just like ah, i can't see <laughs> it's like, like the first time I ate an airwave when I had a mask on and I was like, I guess I won't be doing that again because it was like being pepper sprayed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems, it seems this whole idea is wild. It seems like Bavaria is suffering from a, a high level of, of sickness. It's affecting everyone from car makers in Ingolstadt to uh, train drivers in Nuremberg. And the only thing that no one seems to be mentioning is the fact that oh we took our masks off last week on public transport you'd think that would be a, that would be the point that would go oh maybe maybe it was a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> obviously one of the bigger um, aspects of Christmas is present buying and uh, I don't know what you're like Dilly I'm, I, I, I do enjoy buying presents I'm not a great receiver of presents but I certainly enjoy buying presents are you discerning uh, not discerning. I just don't get the same buzz out of getting presents as I do giving presents. And now that I'm older and I, I can buy most things myself, I find like there's not really much aside from alcohol and socks um, that I really want. <laughs> so I was reading the Frankfurt Allgemeine and uh, it were, there was a great article in there um, entitled Tips for das fast perfecter Weihnachtsgeschenk. And it's uh, tips for the almost perfect Christmas present. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was quite interesting. It was talking about the psychology of gift giving. And I was wondering, uh, not to set you up too much, but are you the type of gift giver that gives like expensive gifts? Do you think that's uh, something that you you do? Are you an expensive gift giver? Are you a um, handmade gift giver? What kind of gifts do you give when you are um, required to give a... A Christmas gift to somebody. When I'm required to give a gift, I tend to give uh, uh, handmade gifts. Mm-hmm. I also give like a good shine or a coupon for my own food, mm-hmm. a meal, a three-course meal maybe, and then the person can come back to me on a later date. Uh, so it's also not immediate. It saves me time. 
I don't think I tend to give expensive gifts as such. Mm-hmm. What does that say about me? The homemade gift sort of suggests a bit more thought has been put into the gifting process. Yeah, like chutneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially a chutney. Frozen yeah. in summer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the article itself is looking at a book by the philosopher Wilhelm Schmid. And mm-hmm. uh, he's written a book um, about the art of giving gifts. And I thought that was quite an interesting mm-hmm. idea. And he was talking about like the embarrassment gifts that you, you sort of get because you, f- you don't want to turn up empty-handed. And, and I would refer them not as the embarrassment gifts, but as the reason people shop at Chibo is to buy something for people you don't know. Because Chibo is the perfect place to buy gifts for people you don't know. I love Chibo. It's great for buying gifts for people you have no idea because it's just like so random and weird, uh, the stuff at Chibo. Uh-huh. And the other thing we see that he talks about is the idea of gifts of obligation. So a plant or a pet. And I was thinking, isn't like a plant, I thought a plant was like a solid kind of gift you could give someone. But he suggests that maybe giving a present that requires someone to work or make effort isn't really a gift at all. How do you feel about that? How, how about giving gifts as like plants as gifts? Do you think that's a reasonable? Um, first things first, I think uh, it's strange that he writes pets and plants in the same sentence as if they require a similar obligation <laughs> for, you know, for, in order for them to keep on being alive. That's funny. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know there are people in my life that I wouldn't give plants to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that my wonderful and uh, extremely sweet boyfriend uh, got a couple of plants from me and the only surviving thing is a snake plant. And that's because you only need to water it once every couple of months. So, Perfect plant. Not everyone has green thumbs, so yeah. Mm. But I mean, I wouldn't give a pet to anyone, would you? I mean, I might. Um, you know, I'm having circular discussions with my wife about getting a dog for my daughter, which means getting myself a dog. I, I was going to say. That, I mean, my wife just wants a dog and she wants me to, to, she's using my daughter as a way of convincing me that it's a good idea. It's fucking not, because I'm not getting up at six in the morning to walk a dog. So I'm not going to buy myself an obligation gift because I'm not a crazy person. But yeah, I wouldn't think giving a pet would be something you do for like a friend. You're not going to turn up with a hamster, you know. It's not really what you want to do. Here's a goldfish in a bag. Get yourself an aquarium. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go on. So, do Germans need a book on gift giving to be to know that you can't go around giving pets to people? I think it's more general than that. I don't think it's specific to Germany because I think uh. it also talks about studies done in America on behavioral psychology. And they talk about the psychology of giving expensive gifts uh, to make yourself feel generous. And I thought that was oh. really interesting. Like, So, the, the example it gives is a watch or an expensive watch or a long distance trip and how that can be seen by the recipient as a as like showing off especially if the there's an imbalance in the relationship dynamic so like richer older sibling younger poorer sibling that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it can be like a an example of you're not so much giving a gift as you're giving a debt so you buy something expensive yeah, for someone an else and they feel obliged. Exactly. Yeah. They feel obliged to them. This is like Sheldon by. Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. Are you using, this is you using fucking Big Bang Theory as your reference point. I am using the fucking Big Bang Theory as my reference point. Yes. <laughs> oh, how things have changed. <laughs> 
Yeah, go on. Sheldon Cooper, go on. Uh, he analyzes the dimensions and all, all aspects of a gift so that he knows exactly what is expected of him in return. And uh, yeah, I mean, you hear this and how, you know, we can't give them a tablecloth this year. They gave us two Christmas hampers last year. Mm. I mean, you have that. This is what I was thinking when I was thinking about that. The, 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 was that uh, yes, as much as I dislike to be given an expensive gift if I couldn't reciprocate. What about like super thoughtful gifts, right? Now this mm. might come across as a little bit weird, but one of my brothers is so good at giving gifts, mm-hmm. like gets gifts that tap into some unknown part of your psyche that you weren't even aware of. Like it's That's so. Sweet. Yeah. It, but, and it's sweet, right? But then, like, I know I will never be able to reciprocate with a gift that I can could... Can you give me an example for the gift he's given you? It could be something as simple. Like, it could be... He's, he's very thoughtful. So he's the kind of person that you'll have a conversation about something in March, right? About, like, a cartoon that you remember as a kid or, like, an action figure you really love that I lost or, like, a time that we went somewhere on holiday as a family and it was a great experience... And then come around Christmas, you'll have got us like a T-shirt with the logo of the campsite we went to when I was 10. Or, yeah. And he'll made it himself. He'll screen print it himself from the original like logo he'll have found online and he'll make it and do something like that. Or it'll be something like he'll have sourced a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figure from 1989 and it's original box and that kind of thing. That's so that's like precise and, yeah. and it's super thoughtful. But yeah. then at the same time, I'm like, I can't like, I can't, my brain doesn't operate at that level. Like I feel like it doesn't function at a level where I retain that kind of like those conversations are fun, but I don't retain that information. And I'm like, do I have to go around with a little notebook and go, I oh, mentioned that thing. Yeah. Okay. Right, right, right. That's, that's the only way I'd remember it. I wouldn't remember the detail of the conversation in the same way. But the way you show your love and appreciation to him is going to be you. That's different. I and mean, it's okay. But I mean, I, I find that almost like a pressure though. Like you want to give an equally thoughtful gift or show that you, you care and reciprocate as much. But I just, I just don't have it in me. I don't, I don't have, I'm not built like that, I don't think. But you do. I mean, think about how you spoke about the Christmas decorations and how they should match diagonally what goes on first and how you don't put tinsel because your wife doesn't like tinsel. You are thoughtful. But that's because my wife's around all the time. That's the problem. <laughs> if my brother was around all the time, it might help. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So we've talked about my limitations as a gift giver. Uh, (laughs) um, There are some tips. There are some tips for how to give better gifts. Mm -hmm. And it says you should stay away from the so-called classic gifts, such as scented candles. That's that's a good one. Yeah, it says that most people are happy with more practical objects. Scented candles make most people sneeze. And this is not Mm -hmm. something that scented candle givers know Mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. My wife bought a Yankee candle for someone. Oh, God. Not a and, Yankee uh, yeah, I know. They're like rat repellents. They're so strong. It's what the Americans like, though, right? They love a strong smelling birthday cake flavored candle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what the article says is in fact, most people are happy about practical objects. An electric toothbrush can testify to love. So here's the two best gifts I've ever given my wife and my mm-hmm. thought process, right? So the first gift was a electric juicer, 
which she desperately wanted a juicer and I got an electric juicer. And she used that for about a month and then and then didn't. The gift that got the best reaction was two tickets to go see the Lion King in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And but that got a far better reaction <laughs> than the, the juicer, juicer did. So like it makes me wonder like how much of this is true and how much of oh, this is yeah. is inaccurate. Because those were not the one gift was practical, didn't get used much, and I think we ended up donating it. And then the tickets definitely got a lot of happiness. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, there are things that the person should have considered, like Christmas money is when, I mean, people sometimes get Christmas money at work, and that uh-huh. is when you can actually afford to buy a nice gift for someone. And it's a bit mean to say, well, you shouldn't spend too much money. I mean, what's too much money? That's also relative. I mean, I like giving gifts. I mean, my problem with giving gifts, uh, Christmas gifts to my parents in Sri Lanka is that um, at the customs, they tend to open the packages and what you send doesn't actually reach home. So that's really? kind of sad, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I don't, um, I usually take something with me when I go. So there are practicalities like that. But I tend to give nice gifts, mm. I think. My mm. boyfriend's mom is getting something from L'Occitane and I hope I get free samples when I buy it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> What's L'Occitane? What's L'Occitane? L'Occitane? Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's a bath stuff like brand, a French right. one, if I'm right. Sounds nice. So mm-hmm. bath bombs and stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah, shower gels and perfumes. And I can be easily swayed and bored uh, with bath stuff. Mm. And I assume the same of other people. Well, it, it suggests here that the perfect gift is an unattainable ideal. And it says that research suggests anything associated with an experience is a good one like uh, instead of the the gift being important like having the the scavenger hunt before giving the gift or something like that might be might be well no but i think the idea of like making it like a challenge and sort of making it more of a fun um, experience rather than just here's a gift it's fun enough opening the wrapping <laughs> okay i guess we've learned a lot about you dilly <laughs> um you're gonna make me walk all over the snow in the cold looking for the map that says where the gift is um or like a playlist for someone who's going on a long journey or um maybe sort of like a baby rattle that, that's like announcing pregnancy or something like that might be equally as appreciated as any expensive gift yeah sure you pee on a stick and you give it to someone else. yeah that sounds like a good gift yeah, but i think it's i think it's almost it's like presents that you get from people who maybe um pass away soon after like there's there's more meaning to those kinds of gifts where like it's like a a moment in time i think are quite always good gifts to give but ultimately schmid says that the perfect gift is attention uh and if you really pay attention to the other person and maybe if you pay attention to their wishes um you might be able to get them the correct gift so i quite like that is it isn't that what your brother does he pays yeah. you attention <laughs> i know well it's i just wish he wasn't so bloody good at it <laughs> it feels like <laughs> it feels like a sibling rivalry at this point you know um so um i don't know quite yet what i'm gonna get my wife but mm-hmm. i've got several ideas i'm in process of organizing i've only got a few days left to work it out um but yeah i guess maybe i'll give her the uh, the gift of attention i'll just follow her around the house for a couple of days because anything i could do for you dear 
your brother should write a book and you should read it. <laughs> probably. I'll probably be better than giving my wife the worst day of her life. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I got my boyfriend a sweater, a cashmere uh-huh. turtleneck sweater. Oh, nice. Very nice. A, his signature look is turtleneck sweaters and, <laughs> and a perfume that I know he likes. Is he an existentialist philosopher from the 1950s? He uh, he tries. He tries. <laughs> Good. You're frequently catching him uh, reading Camus or something like that in the. Uh... Right. He certainly does <laughs> the part. Yeah. I, I I like him already. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was wondering uh, since we're talking about Christmas quite a bit. Um, and I'll be spending my first Christmas with my boyfriend's mother in another country. What was your first Christmas like with your in-laws here in Germany? Well, it was a long time ago. Back in 2009, I think, was the first mm-hmm. time. Um, I mean, it was nice, different, really mm-hmm. different. I didn't appreciate at the time how how much the cultural differences between British and German Christmas mm-hmm. Ah, and, and and how many there are, and I wasn't quite prepared for the solemnity and austere nature of German Christmas, mm-hmm. especially given the fact that British Christmas is based on so many German traditions. Mm-hmm. But like German traditions don't like British traditions revolve entirely around sort of consumption of alcohol. Like I think you can get through pretty much any Christmas as long as the people you're with don't mind you drinking yourself into a stupor throughout the day. But like I arrived on Christmas without any idea that my wife's family just don't really drink. No one drinks. And so when I was like talking about having a beer before like lunch, everyone thought I was nuts. And like uh, like my wife was like, oh, you're not an alcoholic. Like, and I, and I thought she was taking the piss and she wasn't. But that's like kind of the perception of it was my five beers between 11 and two would be considered excessive. excessive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the guy's got a drinking problem. But like, fucking hell, I love, I do like drinking. It's fun, you know, mm-hmm. I like the, it's certainly not fun if no one else is doing it. Like that's, that's part of it. Perhaps um, all the more reason to. Well, the big difference that I noticed when the pandemic, when I, I just didn't just leave up sticks and fuck off back to the UK for Christmas, is uh, the 24th was quite sober and the 25th is uh, like pissed madness. But like it was enjoyable, it was nice. I did feel like I was walking on eggshells all the time, not just because of the alcohol. That's my only fear. Are you concerned about the the first meeting of your boyfriend's mother and it being on Christmas or um, you concerned you're going to do something? I'd probably be the person who drinks the least in the household. Uh-huh. They are, as I said, um, my boyfriend's mom is from Bulgaria and they just knock back rakia by the glass. So Sounds um, like my type of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll swap you. <laughs> Can I go to your boyfriend's Christmas, please? <laughs> uh, I'm not worried, I, but I do wonder, like, you know, what sort of cultural differences pop out at Christmas suddenly. I'd known them for a couple of years, so there wasn't it wasn't a first meeting. Mm-hmm. The one of the things that like that caught me out was, and it was actually the way I circumnavigated the drinking rule was that if you compliment. And because my wife comes from a quite a traditional village, if you compliment people's Christmas trees, mm-hmm. 
they'll give you schnapps, right? Do you say, oh, it's a lovely Christmas tree, and then suddenly someone's handing you a schnapps, right? And okay. When we did like the little walk after dinner around people's houses, mm-hmm. everyone knows each other, so we'd stop and talk. And I'd look in the window and go, oh, wow, that's just a schöner um, Tannenbaum. And then they they'd go, ah, oh, and they'd go away and come back out with a shot of schnapps and give me a shot. So I mean, walked around the village and just drank schnapps all the way around. So that was like, but that was acceptable because it was like, oh, the funny tradition. And it was by, I think, about the eighth one that my wife twigged exactly what I was up to. And, and like her parents thought it was funny and she thought it was, she was mortified, but she usually is anytime I do anything. So it's fine. So there was that was like one of the quirky little things. But actual like, because the traditions are the same they're just placed at different times there wasn't anything to trip over really the only thing i made a mistake of doing was telling my wife i hated raclette uh, and that's what they have my family have raclette yeah um weird sort of swiss toy oven that they put in the middle of the table it's cheese isn't that like your second life yeah i mean it is but not in this form um like properly good cheese and cooked well it's fine so Um, and I said to my wife afterwards how much I disliked it and we haven't had raclette since 2009 for Christmas. Even when I'm not there, they don't have raclette anymore. Like that, like killed it. And I felt that was really bad of me to do. Um, and, I've, and I wish I hadn't said you anything. You put cheese on stone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why you can't melt it on top of things. Because I'm not trying to cook it with a hairdryer. Like if I tried to cook my stolen with a hairdryer, it would be problematic. And that is exactly what a raclette is. A raclette is a glorified Tommy kid's kitchen oven thing. Like it's like a mm-hmm. toy. It's like a toy that they put in the middle of the table. And then you sit around... Um, like waiting forever for your food to cook and then you just eat it and it's a bit shit and a bit warm and then you do it again and then you do it again and then you do it again now if if you injected um see this is this right the it is the most the most the, pro, the producer has ever injected into a conversation you can tell off you can tell a fucking annoyed him right he just wrote killjoy killjoy he says about the raclette i'm sorry producer simon but the raclette is a disappointing meal it's far more enjoyable to talk about than it is to actually do and 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 if anything actually no i don't regret having said that to, to to my wife who then told my mother-in-law i'm happy my 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 wife's parents don't have raclette anymore oh, i've done them a fa- i've done them a favor if anything i've helped them out of a, of a hole them onto? <laughs> i don't know what we're gonna have bratton probably if we're lucky um so uh but like i felt i don't know again it's just that thing of it's that thing of culture right and i think it's you, you have it you have it all through your life when you move to a different country and it's only at Christmas maybe that you see it all sort of bunched together in a sort of short period of time. But like, I don't have like a formative experience or as raclette, so I talk about it without much care. Whereas my wife's family do and you have to be really careful of those kinds of things because some things just seem genuinely dumb but are actually quite heartfelt Christmas traditions. Like the raclette family dinners. I wouldn't comment on it. I'd maybe ask about it, but I, I, my mistake was commenting, and I don't do that anymore, and I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible. The one thing that I didn't like initially that I love now is they would all get together and sing Christmas carols and play instruments. So you grew up with a father who was a pastor, and you don't like people sitting No, nah, we never did that. Around we, we never did that stuff. Carols? No, nah, we never 
coll- never collectively sang carols. Maybe got church and sing carols. Isn't that the backbone of the Anglican <laughs> Church? I mean, no, the backbone of Anglican Church is hereditary privilege, but that's that's a different <laughs> thing entirely. Um, the but the um, no, we didn't do that, and it felt it fe- when I first the first did it, I honestly felt a, a bit ashamed that I thought it was so twee. Like I felt like in the moment, I was like, oh, this is so like I was so cynical about. It. I was like, oh, what is this? Happy families, ha ha ha. And I realized how damaged I was as a person in that moment when I was like, why am I thinking this normal, totally wholesome thing is actually a negative? Yeah. And so, and then I think if I'd said something, I think that would have been the worst thing I could do. So I just, I've never said anything about it. And actually, I think it's lovely. I think it's a really lovely thing to do as a family. But I do still find it a little bit achingly earnest but that's my beef not theirs we do this so my brother and my sister-in-law in melbourne my parents in sri lanka and so i'm in germany with my boyfriend so three families hmm. tune in from three continents to sing christmas carols my brother plays the piano in melbourne and we all do this on FaceTime. It is absolutely not tweet. No, no, I totally agree. I totally agree at the time. And I totally distanced myself from that sort of feeling. I do. I mean, like, I'm being honest. Part of me does think it's a bit twee, but I do it. And I get involved and I sing the songs. And we actually did it during the pandemic, exactly as you described. Yeah. And, and it was quite funny. My brother, when I saw him this weekend, said, oh, uh, are we going to do the carol thing again? And I was like, really? Do you want to do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. But like my eldest brother wouldn't. He would never do anything like that. So he's like totally the other end. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe we'll do it again. It was quite fun singing sort of Christmas carols at each other. But like, I think the trick, I guess, to doing it is just to sort of accept that the things that are happening in front of you have way more meaning. To not place like value judgments. Yeah, and I think it's quite difficult when you see stuff that is so out of your wheelhouse, so Mm. out of your your own experience but also remembering that even the weird stupid shit that happens has meaning and like it might be daft to you but honestly dilly you're lovely right and you're a really polite person and i can't see there being any problems whatsoever like i just can't see how you would even cause a international incident if anything the, you'd probably be too nice they'd be like why don't you stay another week <laughs> 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 I have even oh, run my sweet, talk. Nick. There's hope yet, then. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> I can't say anything nice without without getting a. No, no, I meant hope for me. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Oh, I think you meant hope for me. <laughs> I'm so defensive. I'm so defensive. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I mean, I would have thought that. Yeah, there'll be some weird thing that comes up. I'm sure there'll be some thing that you're like, I'd never thought that was a thing. And and that'll probably appear. I don't know what, what there is in Dutch Christmases that would differ so heavily from. I know, I'm very excited to find out. I've had Dutch Easters. Were they very different? There was a Bulgarian tradition uh, that my boyfriend's into. So you uh, paint eggs and then you knock, like you take an egg in your hand, a boiled egg, mm. painted. And mm-hmm. then you knock with that egg mm-hmm. the egg in the other person's hand. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to try and crack the egg of the other person, <laughs> but not crack your own. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at Dutch Christmas traditions. It's not that much. Looks like there's some very nice food that you're going to come across. Yeah. A lot of biscuits. So that's a positive. I hope there's a, a bitter bile, which is not a Christmas yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, like a very thick meat sauce, 
uh, a ball of it, which is breadcrumbed and fried, and you have it mm-hmm. with mustard. Oh, nice. That sounds good. Here. I think you're going to have a lovely Christmas, Dilly. They eat cheese with mustard, by the way. See, they're sensible folks up in there. Very sensible. Up in the, 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 them there Nederlanders. Um, yeah, excellent. So it looks like you're going to have a fantastic Christmas. So mm-hmm. um, I guess all that's left for us to say is uh, Merry Christmas to you, listener, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, Dilly. And I guess Merry Christmas since, to you, Nick. Since he's here, Merry Christmas, producer Simon. Um, I hope you enjoy your raclette. Um <laughs> I hope you choke on it. Uh, okay. Merry Christmas, Simon. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you have a lovely uh, Christmas break and we'll be back with you on uh, New Year's Eve. Mm. Get the fireworks ready. Servus, Leute. Hello, everybody. This brings us to the end of the show. Even to catch Santa Claus coming down the chimney. Damn right. I'm going to steal all his presents. Okay. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute. And of course, as I keep telling you every week, really does help us. We are also after some Spotify stars. You've done so well this year. Uh, listeners, you've really, really bumped us up along the uh, the old spotify stars chart uh, i'm just checking now to see exactly i wonder if we have broken the 40 uh, star barrier that was my hope from last week but uh we're still on 38 the dream is still alive we can get 40 before the end of the year so if you haven't given us a star please go do that now uh we will uh, be very uh, very happy if you did uh, retweet us share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on twitter or instagram you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decades from home and contributing to keep this little podcast afloat as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet delete on at delini algama and you can tweet me at 40 percent german you can also get us on decades from home at gmail.com If you have time, take a look at 40percentgerman.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Tschüss.